The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the program. This is Good Morning New York. I'm Vince Rocco, and I'd like to welcome my listeners uh, from the United States and around the world. We have two special guests today uh, here in the studio with my panel. But uh, first, let's talk about the New York City Real Estate Expo, uh, and that will be held on the 8th the eighth annual event next Thursday, September 29th at the New York Hilton Hotel here in Manhattan. Doors open at 7.30, and you can visit until 5. The event will bring together commercial and residential real estate professionals for a full day of networking, panel discussions, and educational sessions. More than 3,000-plus professionals have already registered for what has become the most the must-attend real estate event in New York City. As I've been mentioning each week now for the past couple of weeks, I will be moderating a session on how to become a world-class connector and how this will grow your real estate business. In the meantime, uh, you are ready to put your apartment on the market. Now, take a long, hard look. Is it ready to meet the public? Does it even know what the public wants to see? Ideally, your apartment should say, a a stylish person with impeccable taste lives here. Unfortunately, most homes I see that are not professionally staged or styled look like Pottery Barn meets Grandma's hand-me-downs. Note that staging is not the same Thing as interior design or apartment styling. Interior design is geared to the homeowner's taste and professional desires, personal desires, while staging is about putting enough furniture in a space so that buyers can envision themselves living in the home and how their own furniture will fit in. Staging is a form of visual merchandising. The object of staging is to flatter the apartment but not be too obvious about it like being properly dressed without drawing attention to what you're wearing. A third category is hiring a stylist. A stylist does not decorate or stage, but styles real estate as products. They are oftentimes called fluffers. Stylists, and I want to find out a little bit more about that term, stylists enhance and layer upon existing furnishings. Home staging, interior design, and styling are focused on creating a specific atmosphere or feel for a home. All three require the knowledge and understanding of design elements and principles, such as balance and emphasis in order to successfully showcase a home. With me today is Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Matthew Cohen, uh, Core Real Estate, Peru Brombat Compass. Louise Phillips-Forbes is back again today from Halstead Property, and our guest is Andy Stewart from Red Cap Productions, and we're going to get into a major conversation on why I think all of this stuff is important. Louise, for more than 27 years, has been an industry leader in New York City real estate market. Her career sa- career sales exceed $2.5 billion and is considered one of the elite power brokers in Manhattan. She has won multiple awards throughout her career, and I'm happy to have her on our program today. Andy Stewart is principal stylist and owner of Red Cap Productions. 
He has a real estate stylist and not a traditional stage or interior decorator. We'll get more into that. His background is in photo styling, set design, lifestyle development, and he is also a bride and groomskeeper. Good God, all those hats. Andrew works with Andy works with real estate professionals to help create the perfect product to sell. I'm looking forward to talking to everyone today. So, Andy, let me just start with you and ask a question. Your background in photo styling, set design, lifestyle development, and you call yourself also a bride and groom keeper. Before we get into styling apartments, uh, and as you say, as product, tell us briefly about this background and how you know you find success in all of these areas. It's a very big plate every day. Well, good morning. Um, good morning. So I started, I'm a product stylist. Um, that's what differentiates me from being an interior designer or a traditional stager. Stager by the method I actually style. So I started um, product styling with designing packaging for shower curtains of a photo stylist. And that eventually turned into working for Ralph Lauren um, on the worldwide window team where we built sets either from concept to just even execution. I did things like split cars in half, negotiated contracts uh, for things to happen all over the world for their visual team. Then I went to, as you said, um, product development where I developed lifestyles about two to three dozen a year and then other fringe things from, from bedding to lighting. What this all means is that and, oh, by the way, I also have a marketing degree. So, so basically, can't, can't be without that. Can't be without that. So, I come from a business perspective on how to tangibly change a product and position it towards who's looking at it. So, as far as apartments are concerned, I had a friend. Uh, uh, you said the bride. I'm a bride whisperer, apparently, as of this weekend. I also run red carpets. What that means is that I'm really good at handling very high stress situations um, with finesse and ease, so everyone feels good about themselves. So. Selling your apartment. High, high drama. Sounds like a broker in a way, right? It can. <laughs> it, well, what I do is I take a lot of stress from the brokers. So <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very aware that that's a, that's a good thing to do. Because, um, you know, you have to hold the hands of the sellers. They're, very, they're, they're not into staging, possibly. They understand the value in staging. We all know what it does to sell an apartment. Um, but they're concerned with getting rid of all their things. They're worried about rental fees, uh, accruing as time goes on, the worry about being responsible for the items that are not theirs. And what I found, a very good friend of mine in real estate said, you're going to fluff. You're going to fluff apartments. It basically means I Here's the word, fluff. Fluffer. fluffer. Um, some people like that. Most it's people... Really interesting. You like fluff. <laughs> I've, I've been using the word fluff, like fluffing so for, for 100 <laughs> years. So for me, I, I, like I get zhuzhing. it. Yeah. 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 I'm well, a that zhuzh. works too. <laughs> it's, well, professional. You know, it's what you do. I love to shop. I shop. I, I like to fluff. I fluff. Um, so <laughs> I do that by um, using most of the existing furnishings in the home so they don't get rid of everything. And then what I put on top of it, layer on top of it, um, the fluff, uh, so to speak, is um, anything that has to get removed or replaced, anything I bring in on top that's new and fresh, and the client buys it outright. This way we kill any worries about a rental fee that goes on. We kill any um, concern about being liable for ruining the products. And then on top of that, actually, they now have new fresh goods that they own. It's, uh, they could write it off in taxes. It's a capital investment. Um, and this way they basically they basically have it as their own. Um, so what also makes sense is they're not getting things that were used over and over again. So a lot of people, you see the same furniture. Let, let, let's talk about the word repurpose. You and I talked about this the other day on the phone, and I thought to myself, before you and I used that, actually you used that term, I just did a light renovation in my home, and I kept telling people, I'm just repurposing things. I'm just changing things around, kind of you know, down low and, 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 and low key. 
explain to the audience out there who may not understand what the word repurpose is when you're trying to fluff up and make something look a little different than it's been looking for the past 10 years or whatever. Because I think it's a great word. Well, I, um, yeah, I'm like, basically it is, could be as simple as there's a rug in the dining room. Let's move it to the living room. There's uh, furniture in the bedroom. That could be a nightstand. Let's make it a side table, vice versa. Anything that's appropriate as far as that is. Um, and it's not necessarily painting something or creating something that's not there, but it is actually making sometimes the functions of the items in the home. Like that's, that sounds complicated. It's like using what you have. It's using what you have. That's um, exactly what I just did. You yes, know, exactly. curtains from one room to the other room and, and put shades here and there and, and just kind of repurpose stuff just to make the look and feel. I mean, it's the same apartment, yeah. but just moving stuff around made it look completely different. And a friend stopped by last night and said, what did you do here? I said, nothing. You know, just a little bit here, a little bit there. And that friend was me. And I said, wow, Vince, you really <laughs> fluffed up your apartment. <laughs> or um, as Louis says, zhuzhed it up. I like zhuzhed, zhuzhed, zhuzhed it up. Zhuzhed it up. <laughs> so how do you, how, your fees are much higher than, than the traditional stager or the tr- traditional interior designer. Tell us why that is and what the benefit is to the client when, when you're reviewing your structure and what, it's gonna, what they're going to get out of it, because well, this is also very important. I wouldn't say much, but yeah, definitely higher. I've seen, um, <laughs> I, I've been lucky enough that, because I'm tight, I've been lucky enough to um, have people believe in what I'm doing and just go for it, but when I've actually been put up against other stagers, and actually most recently I've actually reviewed someone's rental contract, I've learned that um, my fee up front, you pay for design fee up front, is higher than a normal stager. Um, that's actually where I'm making my money. I'm not making it on some arbitrary markup of stuff I've had in my storage closet. Mm-hmm. Um, or even I saw commission fees from some of these rental house, these rental people that, that get rid of the furniture. Um, and then you're purchasing the items outright. So it could be 5 mm-hmm. to 10% more. Um, but actually recently, since I saw the contracts, I've seen that I can actually purchase things for less than you would have spent three months worth of rental on it. Um, so it seems like it's most, it, it's more expensive, but you're getting everything up front. Um, everything that's, if I And take, you own it. You own the asset. They own the asset. Absolutely. Which, which is more helpful than worrying about a rental fee that, you know, sometimes when we're staging, we'll talk a little bit about this later on in the program, but sometimes when you're staging, you know, you've got to sign up with a company for a three-month rental situation. And if your agent is great, like Louise, and she sells it in a week, now your client is saying, okay, so now i got to pay three months worth three of months. rental, and, you know, what am I going to do with that? So sometimes owning it makes sense. I wanted to ask both of you, Louise and, and Andy, you know, Andy, you say you like uh, that you are problem-solving focusing on key points of space planning and architecture and that reflects as much as possible in the furnishings explain what you mean by problem solving and louise i know you do a lot of new development stuff so you get into that a lot so what what or how are you problem solving for your clients well you know basically staging from the staging uh, perspective is that you're space planning, you're um, picking up, uh, you know, trying to sell the space. I, I have friends who are interior designers. I could never do what they do. They really make beautiful, beautiful products. And stagers come in, and I think they're renting their own stuff. They're trying to play interior design, but I'm really selling the space. So I look at the architectural details. I look at um, how you would use the rooms, and I really solve those problems of how do you project the actual physical product, mm-hmm. which is the room itself. Um, for instance, I had interior designers see one of my latest pictures on my Instagram and there's no big painting over the sofa. And he's like, where's the painting? I'm like, well, you're looking for a painting, but you see the room. 
Mm-hmm. You see how it's balanced. You see how large it is. You mm-hmm. see how the horizon line expands it. So I'm solving the problems of possibly it's an awkward room. Sometimes we've fixed that with photography. There was a huge uh, entry area that basically was the size of a library. Um, we figured out how to photograph it correctly because I am a photographer. I'm a photo stylist. So we solve the problems of it not seeming so grand if it seems uh, dysfunctional. Even um, coming from the photo style world, it's like you, you walk into a room, you want to see a, a go-to point of a of a chair with a thing that when you walk into a bedroom you want to see the bed front and center you want to understand Mm -hmm. immediately it's a bedroom you want to see that I I use things like eight by ten rugs things that you can immediately um, understand the scale of a space how it functions and you may never live with it like that but this way you clearly can walk in and just see exactly what it is without um, any questions it's it's funny with brokers when I brokers introduce me to clients um, it's very rare that when the broker was explaining to the seller what they had to do, that we didn't sink on many of the things. Because when you were, you know, when you seasoned in this business, you know exactly what the problems are that you have to solve. It's just a matter of executing it. So that's also where my skill set comes in. I could handle any situation. I've done so many different lifestyles. I know how to clean it up. I know how to do it easily. I know how to take the stress from the broker. So all around, it becomes a much uh, more seamless, enjoyable process where, you know, a couple of hand-holding things and we sell the property. Louise, we're going to go to break in a few minutes, but just give me um, your thoughts on problem solving because you represent a lot of new developments Absolutely. Uh, as well as resale. And a lot of what we do is problem solving, whether we like to use that term or not, but it is. Sure, sure. So so for myself, I represent both buyers and sellers, <clears throat> but a big part of my business in addition to that is representing developers. And I've built or converted about 30 buildings, maybe more. And um, through those years, I have built my team to to really be uh, be able to be operating like a well-oiled machine where I can be of service. And for my developers, I have started acquiring probably in the late 90s, actually the late, in the mid-2000s, I started acquiring furniture for each development project. And we would then sell the, the we would launch a building under construction and we would move it in from mm-hmm. apartment to apartment to apartment. And now we have, you know, 10 apartments worth of furniture. And I have in my, I have eight people on my team. I have a director of marketing and development, uh, marketing and uh, PR who manages this. And Mm -hmm. in that we partner with other stagers and interior designers and um, their assistants. And we are able to attack and execute with most of any opportunity, whether it's a townhouse that's 7,000 square feet that's been in the same family for 60 years to an individual that, uh, a development project that we are going to be moving furniture from apartment to apartment and selling $180 million. Let's hold it there for a second. We have to go to break. We will pick right up on that point when we come back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. A client gave me the best compliment. He said, I'm the MacGyver of real estate. True, I'm resourceful and reliable. It was during a short sale that involved two banks 
and a foreclosure. And it was during the financial crisis. I pulled every trick out of my hat and we closed the deal. He said, if I was ever stranded on a highway at two in the morning, you'd be the first person I'd call. (laughs) I am known for answering the phone at all hours of the night. But what he didn't know was that I've even helped a client change a tire. I'm Elizabeth Key with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. We are back, and we are talking to Louise Phillips-Forbes, Phil Horrigan, Matthew Cohen, uh, Peru Brombat, and Andy Stewart. Our topic this morning is um, styling, apartment staging, and the differences of. Uh, um, Andy, you pride yourself in knowing how to shop, wheel, and deal your words um, and source materials so the products that you bring in may be of lower cost but not compromised in quality. Tell us how you do that because that's a very big part of this whole project stuff that um, we get involved in. Yeah, thanks. I Well, I come from a world of luxury. I mean, like you're doing development, so it's it has to be high-end. If it doesn't look like a million-dollar apartment or $10 million apartment... But you got to know how to buy that stuff. You have to know how to buy that stuff. So Correct. we can go shopping together. We have a $40,000 in, like in 498 West End <laughs> Avenue. We have a $40,000 dining room that we paid, I think, $8,000 for. You have to know where to go. You have to know, know where, where to, to go. go. So I'm like, I worked for Ralph Lauren. I worked for Hermes. I know how things are constructed. Um, I really know where to look for the goods. You so know where they're constructed. I know where they're constructed, yeah. And I know how to fix it if it breaks. Yeah, so. we all need to know Mitchell Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Gold. Uh, no, I, go, yes. uh, I go someplace a little, a little higher end than that, even though Mitchell Gold would be great. See, I have a problem with lead times. i got to get the furniture in there. So I have to deal with people who, it's, it's almost a cash and carry situation. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell Gold, you do have an opportunity to do it fast, but you still have to pre-order it. Um, they do have, I think, quick ship items, so most people do, but I don't have two weeks to wait for it. But some of the uh, places I go to, I uh, put in uh, Stella Tower, there was a beautiful cream-colored fold-down um, sofa. I got it for $1,300. I remember seeing yeah, that. I think I saw that, too. Yes. It's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and that was actually a larger project because I can't do, do new developments uh, for the most part. It has to have at least some furnishings in it. Um, otherwise, the, I, then I'm just shopping for you. Um, and it becomes much, much more expensive. So it depends on which vendors to go to, whether I know them from my past or just how I source now. Um, so yeah, you have to know where to buy, how to get it quickly. Um, and I know a lot of people that help me facilitate that, but it's really, it's really nowhere to find the good products. It's interesting. I, I think I would find it difficult to be disciplined to not want to deviate from the business you have. I think it's just interesting. There is, well, I've just... I'm from, sure there's a ton of opportunity. There, People ask me to, to design their apartments. It's just not where my 
my head is. Um, I like to solve problems. I think with uh, I could do new developers. I was doing projects in Brooklyn just now where they did choose to to rent because they were more comfortable with that. I've actually nicely been able to prove to them that my business model would work out better for them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm like I just stay true to it. It's what it's what I'm good at. It's also we just have a limited number of hours in our days, right? That there's only so much that you can do. So as much as there's always opportunity to, opportunities to expand, it's always that balance between how far do I expand and how do I actually live my life, you know? So sometimes specializing and doing what you do and really building on that, you know, can also have its benefits for sure. So. Louise, let's talk a little bit about the developers that you work with because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of that in my past too. And in the beginning, they were resistant to want to do anything in a, in, a, in a home stage, put any kind of furniture in. I mean, you know, you walk around the building, you show different floor plans, and, and that was that. But then, you know, I remember telling my one of my first developers, you need to make a model home here. And you need to make, you know, people feel like they're walking in to someone's home so they get a, a good vision of what this place is going to be. But right. tell us or explain to to the listening audience around the world who hears about our new development here in New York City all the time doesn't necessarily understand, you know, the, the checks and balances and sometimes how developers don't want to spend the resistance that kind of money. around it. Yes. I mean, I think that I'll, I'll use an example. Um, so first of all, I'm just going to mention that, you know, I believe Manhattan was way behind the eight ball on staging. Mm-hmm. Uh, brokers um, were, I mean, they were doing in San Francisco and L.A. and even Atlanta and Nashville, Tennessee, before we got on the boat and recognized that, you know, what what a lived-in home offers is it tells a story and it, it, it gives way to scale and volume of a room that a vacant home can't even... I, I, ha- I was on a... <clears throat> when I bought my first home in my 20s, I had 6,000 pounds of furniture coming from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> and I walked in and said, holy mackerel, it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it did. Mm-hmm. So um, my developer, one of my largest clients who I've converted 13 buildings with and done $2 billion worth of business with, um, really never renovated his apartments. And I was like, we are leaving so much money on the table. Let me manage this for you. And that's how it started in the 90s. And um, now, you know, he has built out his own team of construction people. And we are able to go in and I select the finishes and we... It's, it's an operation that we know our construction is three to four months. Installation is two days. And I've sold apartments. The time value of money is just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that I'm sure I have elevated the price per square foot on every transaction since well, that's what I was, that's what I wanted to get at. So, you know, the end result of all of this between the styling and 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 what you do um, in the staging and and decorating of homes, it absolutely increases the the price per square foot of most of these development sites. And people don't really absolutely. realize how much sometimes or why. over ten percent. Yeah. And not to mention that's not even counting the time value of money, meaning a, a vacant apartment that sits on you know nobody wants to advertise it and market it because nobody wants vacant images, mm-hmm. no matter how beautiful your. Space is 
There's not, not only that, but even <clears throat> as brokers, I mean, we see raw spaces, we see construction sites, we see empty apartments all day, every day. And it is astounding that even for us, it's like you look at the space and you know how to sell it and you're telling people and you're convincing yourself as you're going along in the process, look, your bed will really, I mean, that'll be plenty of space that'll look amazing. And yet when it finally gets staged and put together and when you walk into that space yourself and how wowed I am every single time, it makes me realize that even as a seasoned professional, it makes such a, there's a visual, mental, emotional difference that comes into play that is intangible. Um, and, and once you do it over and over again, you realize how invaluable these services and are. And we also know that, you know, first impressions are everything. everything. Just like yeah. looking for your mate or finding the right school, there's a chemistry that happens when you hit home. Mm-hmm. And to be able to take it one step further and tell mm-hmm. a story is 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 part of our responsibility it to really our sellers, is. in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. I... Um, not just my developers, I now have acquired, like I said, 10 apartments worth of furniture and we have it stored when we're waiting for a new product to come on the market within that own business, my own developer. But he allows me to loan it and work Mm -hmm. with my other sellers. Mm -hmm. So if I have an estate and we're getting rid of what's not going to stay and repurposing what we need, we can go in and say, look, I'm, I'm moving these 18 pieces of furniture here, they'll pay for the move, they'll pay for it back in, it saves him storage time. It's a win-win, but it takes a village to be able to execute that and manage that. Let's talk, both of you, let's talk about, you know, what style of furnishings or what style of decor, what style of, you know, repurposing and fluffing. People like modern, people like traditional, people like contemporary, people like a lot of different things. Do you have to sit and really understand from the seller's perspective whether the seller's a developer or a resale apartment seller and kind of get from them what they really like or is it really about what we think we need for that particular space I think to it's sell that us. space I'm like it's really if they had the vision they could do it themselves and I, my experience has been oh god help us all if they exactly. did it themselves forget so, it I think from my own experience I again you have to remember and be sensitive and um, remember that this is their home mm. and that that you have to be delicate and diplomatic about how you say what might be a better choice. Usually, um, you you know they have enough confidence in you that they've asked you to do this. But I think there's also a right way of doing it. It's definitely a skill to go into someone's home, make them feel happy about it, but almost ripping their world apart. Um, a lot of my uh, sellers that brokers introduced me to are they're living in the home. I just did a home on the Upper West Side. Had three kids. Uh, father's an artist. The uh, kids are under eight, so I'm going in and moving their bunk beds around. I'm Three kids under eight. Wow, that's a lot of work. They were awesome. You know, I had to play cheerleader. They loved what I was doing. I couldn't get them offended. I couldn't take the kids out of the homes. So now I'm cleaning up the toys. I, um, so it was just about making elegant spaces elegant. I'm like, I reworked their entire living room, and I, you know, I, I they understand that I have to do what I need to do. We're all in the same boat, but I didn't want them to wake up in the morning and come downstairs and be like, "What did you just do to my house?" Right. So right. they have to they have to enjoy what they're doing. Uh, the furniture that you actually have, do you have different styles? We do, we do, because we've acquired them through multiple different channels. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when uh, you know I've got clients that are moving to the, an amazing. 10,000 square foot townhouse and they have four couches Mm -hmm. and I'm, 
you know, they just want me to take it off their hands instead yeah. of having to have them removed. So we've acquired all different kinds of styles. Um, I, I just wanted to also say that part of uh, one of the partners that we enlist is a personal organizer, and I have a Rolodex of personal organizers. Mm. And often I found that once we've judged our homes for people that are living there and then gotten enlisted a personal organizer, they're like, holy mackerel, we might not leave. So, I've had that happen. But, <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that it's always about doing the right thing because they're going to sell mm-hmm. when they're ready to sell. And mm-hmm. if you can improve their quality of life, then, you know, you have you've put you paid it forward. Yeah. Louise, when you say uh, organizer, are you talking about declutterer? I'm talking about someone who literally will reinstall someone's kitchen and put their pantry and label it and take their children's closets and label them and go so through important. and donate things. I have a nonprofit called Change for Kids and I have these these we provide cultural arts for underfunded public schools and these are some of the most underfunded public schools and these families have nothing and I've had people sell townhouses and I've taken five carloads of clothes and books that that family feels awesome that they have actually been able to put them in the hands of a child and Mm -hmm. repurpose them. It's interesting. Um, I wanted to just briefly talk about the stages before we go to break, you know, of, you know, when you walk into whether it's a resale uh, that has stuff in it already because people live in there or an empty apartment, which we all kind of, you know, shake at. But there's the the walkthrough, you know, you put a proposal together, you go through the staging and the styling uh, design, you photograph it, obviously, so the listing can go up and people can see what your work is. Uh, then of course all the marketing that goes with the apartment, and hopefully selling it, and then you got to remove all that, remove all of that stuff, uh, whether it's rented or, or or purchased, and it's a big effort. So you know, I think HGT, HGTV we all love and watch and 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 watch all these renovation shows and decorating shows, whatever. And I think that sparked a lot of this uh, business for all of us. But um, when the, the last comment I want to make on that is it's a lot of work for all of us involved, including the sellers and developers, because it's it's a monumental task. But without it, uh, apartments uh, and townhouses and penthouses and whatever you're talking about just don't sell that easily. We're going or to break. Or there's a lot of money left on the table. A lot of money left. We're coming back. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration, which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and I just wanted to say Andy is going to stay with us for the rest of the show. We might uh, have, we would like, rather, his commentary on some of the other topics. But just to give you his contact information, it is Red Cap Productions, and you can get in touch with Andy at Andy at redcap.nyc. We'll repeat that later on at the end of the program. We are back with the panel. I have Louise Phillips-Forbes here from Halstead, Phil Horrigan from leasebreak.com, Matthew Cohen from CORE, um, Real Estate, Perul Brombat from Compass. And we are going to talk about Airbnb for a second. While recent reports, our favorite topic here at Good Morning New York, while recent reports found that Airbnb commercial listings are already raising rents in popular neighborhoods like Chelsea, Bed-Stuy, and Williamsburg in Brooklyn, a new data drive from number-crunching giant 538 indicates that this isn't really the case just yet, but that the short-term rental giant still has plenty of potential to unpen urban housing markets. Will this happen? I don't think in New York City. Um, and I'm, I know I'm pretty opinionated about this. Perul may have some other opinions. But, <laughs> Phil and I are always um, on the opposite sides of this yeah, one. <laughs> I mean, there's, so there's two issues. Nothing with, like a good there's, debate. There's two <laughs> huge issues with Airbnb in the city. One everyone talks about, and the other one people don't talk about. The one everyone talks about is the fact that <clears throat> in New York City, you can't rent out your apartment for under 30 days if you are not in the apartment. Generally speaking, you have to be there. So you're allowed to rent out a room in your apartment under 30 days. But you can't rent out your apartment if you're, say, going to Paris for three weeks. You can't do that for under 30 days if you're not in the apartment. That's a New York State law. Airbnb is trying to change that. There's, there's a uh, now there's some uh, there's like a, a bill on on Cuomo's desk. To, you know all this stuff. So there's there's a lot of lobbying going on. It's possible that could change. There's a lot of reasons why legitimate reasons why people don't want it to change. But the bigger issue that I always talk about that people don't talk about is that ultimately. If you are renting an apartment, your lease, your lease does not allow you and the landlord does not want you, understandably, to rent out your apartment to someone else for three nights, four nights, five nights. Now, the reason, understandably, is because this landlord has vetted you, has vetted you. And now you're going to put a stranger in there for a few nights. And this is why almost every single lease in the city does not allow someone to come in there without the landlord's permission, which kind of makes sense, right? This is the landlord's asset. They own this apartment. They should have a right to know who's in the apartment and who's not in the apartment, right? So this is the element that just does not get discussed. People talk mostly about the New York City law, New York State law, but they don't talk enough about you know, the landlord has a lease. Now, the other thing is that if you're an owner and you have a townhouse, then it does become a legitimate situation. You own it. You can do what you want with it on some level, right? But if you have someone else's asset, you're in a rental, that's where the issue really comes up. And in a condo, in a co-op, it also is not allowed mostly because the condo or the co-op board also don't allow it. So I'll just, that's kind of my piece there. And, Wait, and then I'm going to just add to that. A lot of what's happening with these Airbnb units where individuals are leasing them, they have rent-stabilized, rent-controlled apartments. Mm-hmm. They are below market. I have a situation on a lower Fifth Avenue 
co-op where there is a rent stabilized. It's a three-year lawsuit. They booked $220,000 public information on their Airbnb. And the laws make it very difficult for the landlord to terminate that. It's it's remarkable. At in some, some cases. point, it's just not fair. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, anyway, I, I say, I've, I've had two landlords <clears throat> recently that have evicted people for doing Airbnb. You mm-hmm. know, because I mean, you just and they would maybe go I should get their attorney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean because look, I've had the same problem in, in one of my buildings in Midtown West. I mean, there's been about four people to date in five years, I think. Uh, one lawsuit because she's being stubborn, the one of the owners. But you know, it's 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 really incredible. And, and the other thing is, it's city living. So you're putting someone, you're renting out your apartment for a few nights in a in a building where there are other residents. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're getting the permission of all the other residents in the building before you do this. You know, and and now, um, but but there are some legitimate situations. Like I've used Airbnb in other places when I've gone vacation. Outside of New York City, it's 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 phenomenal. And so I think it's a really good business model. So I don't want to just trash on Airbnb. But the No, not at all. It's a great some of the big city living and and just things have to be worked out. Right. But I have to say this though. So for instance, one of my favorite places that I've stayed in Airbnb is Paris. Paris, it's just you experience it so differently when you actually rent a place mm-hmm. in the first air and dismount and you're walking. I mean, it's just a whole different thing. And um, and I feel like people in your, who are visiting in New York City also like getting that glimpse of being able to feel like a resident here, you know? So I think that there is a there is an emotional proposition and a, obviously a supply and a demand situation where there is a demand for this sort of an experience when we go out of wherever it is that we're living and go to a different place, having that home feel wherever you are, right? So Airbnb is providing something for that gap that clearly hotels are not doing for so many people. So there's, there's, if there's an emotional need and a desire, then my perspective is, is there a way that we can figure out how to make this work so that we're not being lobby, lobbyists for the big hotels and we're not just looking at this from a point of view of being a broker, but we're really looking at the fact that like ultimately there's two sides that I, we haven't talked about. One is this, the experience and people wanting a certain uh, possibility when they're traveling, right? On the other hand, what about all the people who live in this city and the city has just become so ridiculously expensive? Like, I honestly don't know if I'm supposed to pay $7 for an orange juice or like $3, but I know my mom would freak out because she'd be like, what are you doing? You spend $7 on a cup of orange juice? Like, what are you, what kind of They call it a smoothie now. It's $8. Or nine, right? (laughs) Exactly. If it's a juice press. So the fact of the matter is we live this insanely expensive life and some people who are new I mean we were all here new at some point um, the only way a lot of people can afford to live here is to have some sort of a shared situation to be able to Airbnb out an extra room or whatever to make New York City living affordable you know so I think that there's many many issues on this one I do understand Phil's point of is this fair to the landlord is this fair to the people living in the building my point of view is the person who's rented the apartment is uh, is actually held responsible. So if the apartment, you know, has a lot of scuff marks or isn't delivered back to the landlord the way it should have been, then that is a security deposit issue, right? Like it's something that still gets taken care of and paid for. So I I I, I hear you. I just don't know if there isn't a kind of a smoother, softer way around There's this. Probably a solution. I mean, yeah. there are businesses that have evolved out of investors wanting to own in New York City 
who I just was on a panel for top women in real estate for New York Spaces yesterday, and Suzanne Miller has Empire um, Properties, where she sells furnished, she buys and sells furnished units for investors, Mm -hmm. and they're rented to corporations, to individuals, and they do short term. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are legitimate businesses that have risen as a result of this need. My guess is I could be wrong, but the short term probably is a month or over, right, that she does? Because I know. I think there's some buildings that allow less. They do, yeah. Um, but to, to Pearl's point, the shared rooms, by the way, is is really fine because if, you, if you're renting out a room, it, that's I, fine. I, I rented out a room. I mean, yeah. I came here to be a dancer with yeah. 800 bucks in my pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I had, I lived in an eight room apartment and I had, I rented a bedroom and a little sitting room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're there in the apartment while you're renting out a room, you get that shared experience, right? It's, it's the mm-hmm. idea when you're, it's when you're renting, it's when you're leaving the apartment or you never even really, you know, there are so many people, guys, I just got to say, I cannot tell you how many people come to me because I have uh, leasebreak.com, which is a short term rental site. And they ask me, so here's what I want to do. I want to rent a few apartments with different landlords, pretend that I'm actually living there, and then go on Airbnb and rent them out to people. And I say, do not do that. That is against the law, and you will get caught, and you will get fined. But so many people do that. I mean, this is the way they make money. They go and they pretend I, that they're living there. You're right. But I think the other problem, the problem that I have really seen in my own personal business, and I'd say probably the last 12 to 18 months, is buyers coming from other parts of the world. We call them foreign buyers, investors here in New York City. And I just recently ran around uh, for about a week, a buyer, a million and a half to $2 million, didn't really care if it was a one-bed or a two-bed condo, of course, because what she wanted to do was Airbnb it. And I didn't realize that until about the second or third day. And when I told her, bummer bummer is right, because then she started asking the listing agents and they all kept saying, no, 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 cannot do that. Can I? And she went back off to Taiwan and said, okay, screw it. I can't do this. And and I'm thinking, well, you can still invest in an apartment here and still rent it out traditionally and still make a lot of money, but you just can't do the Airbnb. And I said, first of all, you live around the world. Who's going to handle this for you? I mean, Mm -hmm. think about the logistics of doing that kind of stuff every day, every week every month, whatever you're doing. I, Insane. I, I, and I will say that I have um, clients that are, you know, purchasing and acquiring townhouses mm-hmm. and they are purposely putting a long-term lease in there yep. and then they are doing Airbnb for 50% of the building. So if it's a four-unit building, they want to Airbnb two of those units. And I have a, a friend who moved to the Hamptons and she has taken her old primary residence and divided it up, mm-hmm. and it's 100% Airbnb, mm-hmm. and she is making about $250,000 a year from that. And by the way, I believe that is the one legal way to do it, is if mm-hmm. you have a townhouse, because then you have, it's only a few units, you're not affecting other people in the building. And she you has a cleaning Airbnb. service, yeah. she has an um, automatic, yeah. a, a keypad that she can change the code. I yeah. was going to ask you guys, you know, in our, in our businesses, you know, because again, the experience I have, I've had recently, I'm sure all of you have, Really, what is the only type of property here in Manhattan or in New York City that people can buy for the purposes of Airbnb? And it's really it's just town a townhouse. Townhouses. Yeah. Townhouses, pretty much, yeah. You know, because you can make that anything you want, whether it's multifamily, whether, you know, a lot not, of people are just that, using the basement level. You could level. buy a townhouse. I have on the market right now at 58 West 85th Street. I'll get a little plug in. <laughs> and it's a townhouse. It's a three-unit townhouse. It's an owner's triplex. They are traditionally renting two units for $8,100 a month. 
but they could get much more. It's right off Central Park Lovely. West. Mm-hmm. It's their home. They live there. Um, so there, there are opportunities that, you know, it, it doesn't have to look exactly like 100% business model. It could be where your home is, and you could <clears> try to attempt yeah. to do the Airbnb. Yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about this, you know, on and off for a good year on this program. And, you know, I don't like to bash it because I think, as Phil said before, you know, Airbnb around the world is incredible. In our suburbs, incredible. When you own the property outright and it's your single home, you can do whatever you want to do with it. It's fine. It's legal. Uh, it's I've used lawful. it, I would say. I, I have mean, too. Hawaii, yeah, too. Puerto Rico, yeah. uh, Punta Mita, yeah. Washington, Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've used it in, in, in lots of different places. Los Angeles, you know, where you, there are private homes and people choose to do what they want to do. So it's a good concept. It's just problematic and troublesome here in New York City because of our housing stock, condos and condominiums and boards and multiple families. It becomes rem- a little rem- too crazy. Remember the one to three family market, which is the townhouse yeah. market, it represents only 1% of our inventory, mm-hmm. which is less than 11,000. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you have to also remember that we are, from a from a buying standpoint, you know, it is a renter city. It's 62% of all Manhattan Absolutely. are renters. Mm-hmm. So 38%, Still. 38% of all the product, that's all that's available to be owned. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity for wealth preservation mm-hmm. for the Taiwanese purchaser that there is a buy and hold concept that still remains for Manhattan. Absolutely. All right. With that, we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com One of the things that I love about my job is that every client's needs are different and every property is a new challenge. So recently I got a compliment from a young woman who we sold her $400,000 apartment in downtown Manhattan. And she wrote online, Patrick treated the sale of my $400,000 home as if it was a $10 million property. Do you have any idea how great that made me feel? I felt like a million bucks. Impeccable service designed for each client is what matters to me most. I'm Patrick Lilly with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
All right, everybody, we are back for our fourth and last segment. I'm talking to Phil Horrigan from leasebreak.com, Matthew Cohen, Core Real Estate, uh, Perul Brumbeck Compass, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Property, and Andy Stewart from Red Cap Productions. So, according to the census figures, the average American can expect to move about 12 times in his or her lifetime, but we have a feeling that for New Yorkers, it's a little more often than that. Given the city's massive rental inventories, Louise was just talking about before, in ever-changing and increasing expensive neighborhoods, the thirst to explore new corners of New York City and perhaps find higher quality, more affordable digs, many outweigh the more torturous aspects of relocating, who's downsizing, who's upsizing, whatever. Some may find that they are looking for something that may not exist. My, my favorite word in real estate, it just does not exist. Of course, it may not be possible to check all the boxes when it comes to finding apartments here, but they can keep trying. We want to hear about your experiences with moving within the city. How many times have you uprooted yourself in the last four years? And what were your reasons for doing so, including some of your clients? Um, what, 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 what do you think this is about? And well, let's, let's start with how often do you think people move within New York City? We say 12 times is the average American move in their lifetime. But in New York City, what do you think? Well, so you said, or how many years? You said 12 times on average outside of New York, or just in general. In his or her lifetime outside of New York City. That's I actually find that that's I high. Know. Yeah, I think when I, I think uh, about I like We're families. We're talking college and yeah. parents, everything. I also well, just think about families in the suburbs, and they stay in houses for 20 or more years. I'm very surprised by that number. I don't think that's the trend today. I don't more. think that's the trend. I mean, first of all, when I moved to New York City with 800 bucks in my pocket, I moved 12 times mm-hmm. in two years. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. I moved seven times in seven years. So, but what? But my, I mean, I have built my business focused um, in my 20s on, you know, I, I was somebody who did not get married. I focused on my career until I was 40 years old, 41 actually. And, um, and you know, I had some clients that in 18 years, I've sold them nine pieces of property mm-hmm. to the point that they have acquired so much wealth from the time value of money buying in a construction project, rolling up their proceeds that they stopped their own business. Mm-hmm. I mean, they started their own business and left their corporation's traditional business. Um, I am seeing that if we're good at what we do, and I you know, have found that I am on my fourth apartment and sometimes fifth apartment on a very large pool of buyers, meaning I have, a, I have captured when she was single, I sold her her mm-hmm. apartment, I sold then when she met her mate. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold his apartment. They bought together, and they're now on their third. So that's five transactions. And our goal is every relationship that we commence on is not one and done, mm-hmm. is to be their one-stop shopping for everything. If it's needing a designer, an art collector, mm-hmm. an art dealer. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I strive to do and to have aligned my business and built it out so I can be of service for everything, even if it's a school process. Absolutely. I think, um, uh, first of all, I love what you say about just stories and longevity and your whole, biz- <clears throat> I hate to say business model maybe, but I love that. Like I love that there's, you know, it's too many people are just all about in the moment and it's not, that's not the business we're in. No, I mean, mm, no last, not at all. Last night I got called by one of my clients who, you know, I sold her apartment I helped her buy her new apartment years ago, and she said, you know, the little ones are just, like, too big to share a room anymore. You know, come over tonight for dinner. You got to, you know, assess what's going on. I don't know if I want to buy a bigger place. I don't know if I want to renovate this one. But it's, you know, she said to me, which I loved, was 
A, I want to get your opinion because you're my friend. And B, of course, you're my broker now and always. You would always handle my transactions. Sure. And it, it, it's so, um, you know, for the, like you said, the good ones out there, mm-hmm. it, this is not a business. This is a lifestyle. This is, you know, this is what we do. This is what we're known for. And I, I and love that. And I it's think it's always about doing the right thing, too. Louise brought that exactly. up earlier. And it's just like, for instance, I just got a referral. I think now it was a month ago of these people who are ready to put in an offer on on an apartment, friends of friends. And my friend said, hold on, you know, she's helped us make so many good decisions and we were about to make bad ones before you put in your offer, even if you don't use her for your broker, just give her a call, just get her opinion on this. Within 20 minutes, I look at what they're looking to buy. I recognize that something is building 35 feet in front of them all their windows in this new development are going to be facing not only construction, but also an inter- what is going to turn into an interior courtyard. So, of course, there's no such thing as an easy deal most of the time. And uh, I, they, by the way, they had said to me, we want you to be our broker. After our initial conversation, mm-hmm. they said, we want you to be part of the deal. Can you put in the offer? It's after that that I did this research, pick up the phone and I say, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is I've got your back and I really want you to make the right decision. And, you know, your search is probably going to continue onwards because here's what's happening with this. And now I've been working with them for two months. They may buy, they may not buy. We'll find out. But the fact of the matter is, is that I could have taken a very easy deal and gotten this done. They were so gung-ho. They were ready to make the offer. And I pulled them back from it because it wasn't the right choice for them, not at that price point. And I have to say that I think this city helps us. You know, I've always been one to say, having worked in investment banking and come into this kind of unexpectedly, you know, I would never do real estate anywhere else. And I think that the city helps us love it even more. And I think even though the general public is moving average of 12 times, what makes it even more interesting in New York is that people are not just moving for the typical, you know, I'm getting married, I'm having big life events, I'm having children, things like that. They're also moving just to get new experiences. You know, this city is so full of different neighborhoods, different lifestyles, different cultures that people just might want to, you know, hey, my kids, I've been raising them for five years in the Upper East. I want to raise them for five years downtown. You know, I want to, I want a difference for myself. Um, you know, more my, adventurous than exactly. I think the, my parents, exactly. my parents lived in the same house for 35 for 30, years. Yeah, exactly. And today I will say that in one of the greatest things that, you know, we talk about this being only 38% of our market in Manhattan is viable. Number one. Number two, you have to really want to purchase. It has it to is, be a feel-good feeling. It's an, exp- mm-hmm. it's, ex- it's an expensive move. It's 10% just to, to sell a piece of property. So it has to be the right move. But also, um, I think it is one of the greatest ways for us to advise our clients because I hopefully am advising them not just for their real estate, but it's a wealth builder. Mm-hmm. It's not a lifestyle. While I do believe that my home is where the rest of my life is built from, and that's sort of the philosophy that I try to carry in how I conduct my business. But the truth is, is that if you look at, you know, we were always told a third, a third, a third, a third in cash, a third in real estate, a third in your in your portfolio. Well, I am, you know, five pieces of property later, and it is way heavy for me. But I preach, I live what I preach, and it's what I know. And um, it is, in my opinion, always going to be a wealth builder for mm-hmm. individuals. Think about how many customers that you sold in their studio or their one mm-hmm. bedroom, and they're now on their nine room or their exactly. townhouse. 
Exactly. And how many people in all of our businesses, uh, and this is the good news and good feeling for us as their broker and their agent, how many people have been able to sell their final home and retire with so much more money than they would ever have Mm -hmm. without, as you say, wealth builder? Because, look, you can do well in business, you can do well in your portfolio, but you're never going to do as well as any of those things outside of real estate because real estate, at least here in New York City, is Phenomenal. And I know too many people who have made and retirement money just moving right. on and and retiring somewhere it's else. It's also the strategy of, of if you were in the, you know, epic center of what what Manhattan is, I have helped many individuals from single women to couples that have taken this asset after multiple transactions and then try to relocate them. So families that are moving to Portland or families that are going to move to Florida and connecting them with their agents that is going to, they're going to have a united front mm-hmm. ph- philosophically as me looking for the right transaction, not looking for just the deal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that planning takes four to five years. Sorry, guys, but we are out of time. End of the show today. That's Good Morning New York for this week. Thanks for joining us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com. For all of us here at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.